welcome back to this episode of the Shooting Bricks podcast. And damn, was it a very eventful eight hours as we're recording this? Because to tell you the truth, nothing really happened the first three days of the week. And then all of a sudden, everything exploded Wednesday morning when, you know, when we least expected it. And we'll get into all of that. But first, as always, I'm Jerry Castillo and I'm joined by I'm Daniel Huang. Uh Public service announcement, this is not really related to basketball, but I have not seen any episodes of Loki yet, so don't spoil it. And joining me as well. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the world of basketball, NBA, WNBA, it's like the greatest reality TV show ever because so much drama, so much things going on. But you already know who it is. It's your boy, Randy Graham, Jarrell Sims. And before we get into all the topics, I just want to – you know, uh, on Daniel's point, just a really quick reminder, please don't spoil things because it ruins the fun for everyone. Don't be that guy or that person. Just don't spoil things. Let people enjoy it and let people see what they want to see and in the comfort of their own time. But that being said, the NBA is a reality show. We never know what to expect. And perhaps, actually, you know what? Yeah, perhaps the most surprising thing is the fact that Jarrell and I, we're both wearing... Kawhi Leonard jerseys. You can't see it on the audio, but on the video, we are. I'm wearing the Clippers one. Jarrell's wearing the really fresh Raptors We the North jersey. And we're wearing these jerseys because it's for Kawhi Leonard. Um, this was really devastating news. I'm not a Clipper fan by any means, but I am a basketball fan. And just knowing that the first few games of the Utah Jazz, you know, Los Angeles Clippers series was kind of weird. But then games three and four, everything was kind of ramping up and it was going to be a great series. And then Shams dropped this bomb that Kawhi could have an ACL injury, maybe a, a tear or something, but he's out indefinitely and he's he could potentially, well, he will miss the entire series if it's a massive ACL tear. Now, it's really interesting because he told his teammates that they should prepare for him to miss game five and beyond. And obviously with an ACL tear, it's never great. And the fact that so many, so many stars have missed the postseason already because of injury. And the fact that he was playing so well too. I mean, he was averaging like 30 plus points on 50 plus on most of the shooting splits. And yet it's over essentially because of an ACL injury. And so, guys, thoughts on the Kawhi injury? Because I think this is just devastating. If you're a basketball fan, it's devastating. But if you're a Clipper fan, it's absolutely heart-wrenching. Look, I've been on record many times, um, you know, being truthful about my dislike of the Clippers franchise as a whole. But I do not want this to happen. You know, I don't want the Clippers to go out like this. The truth is I'm a basketball fan first, and I want to see the best of the best play each other night in, night out, without the worry of any injury. Um, with that being said, this is obviously devastating news to all the Clippers fans hearing and, and listening. My con- my condolences go out to you, and I, especially to Kawhi's teammates and Kawhi himself. Let's be frank, this is an incredibly devastating injury. The series was pretty even going in, going into Game 5. The, the results in Games 3 and 4 was kind of expected. Um, you know, two really close, uh, two really closest games in games one and two and the blowouts in three and four like yeah it was it was natural that to for that to happen game five was going to be the series defining game um but the truth is the series has definitely become the embodiment of this whole nba season it's a war of attrition see who is healthiest we kind of saw this in, in the lakers sun series donovan mitchell is getting healthier he's rubbing that ankle injury off at the right time uh Kawhi leonard is you know let's face it like this this practically ends the Clippers for this entire season. The season is practically done. Paul George, we call him Pandemic P for a reason. Kawhi Leonard was, is, you know, he was the heart and soul of the team. Now, he isn't a great leader. He is the heart and soul of this team. He was the one that makes things work. And Pandemic P, he's he's shown that throughout his career, he can't be counted on. So um, this Clipper team is unfortunately going to fall apart really quickly. Expect blowouts. Do not be surprised if blowouts occur in games uh, five and six, because Utah is going to win this series in six, they're going to the Western conference finals. Right. I mean, very tough to see, you know, it seems like every, every team has at least an injury or two to a key player, 
Um, so hoping that it's not uh, as serious as it seems to be. Um, I'm going to have to disagree with the Clippers getting blown out. I'm going to have to agree with the Jazz winning the series, of course, now with Kawhi Leonard out. But um, Clippers had players stepping up. Uh, you know, I know that they could lean on Kawhi Leonard uh, for the most part, but a lot of their players have been stepping up. And we have to also uh, look at the Utah Jazz. If you get Rudy Gobert into foul trouble, Donovan Mitchell, you talk about him being healthy, but he's been limping these last couple of games. He's not, he's not, he's not healthy. That that ankle injury is 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 taking a toll on him for sure. And we still have Mike Conley out. And if you look back at last game, Utah's offense was pretty stagnant at times, uh, not really fluid like we've seen in the regular season. And I made note of this on Twitter earlier this week that Mike Conley makes a difference when it comes to that, but he doesn't look like he's coming back to the series. And when you only have your starting lineup in Jordan Clarkson really impacting the game. You have Derek Favors out there for 25 minutes, doesn't get a stat, gets two boards, that's about it. Um, and your Clippers team has Reggie Jackson showing up and Luke Kennard showing up and Marcus Morris can have a great game out of nowhere and you still have DeMarcus uh, Cousins on the bench and you do still have playoff Rondo. Uh, I don't see it being a blowout. I see this can still go to, um, what's the, what is it? It's 2-2. So I still see this can potentially go up to um, game six, at least uh, with the Jazz winning. Because, yeah, I see, I see, I see it going to Game Six. I think that's Game Five is next. So, yeah, yeah, and it's interesting too because G, you talked about players stepping up in the last few games. Paul George and Kawhi, they were like the Bash Brothers, right? The Bash, well, not the Bash Brothers, yeah. but the Bash Brothers, right? If you remember WWE or like they were Edge yeah. and Christian almost, they were just wrecking shop, right? Because in Game Three, Kawhi had thirty-four and Paul George had thirty-one. In Game Four, PG and Kawhi both had 31 before Kawhi left with an injury. It was it seemed like they were, you know, rounding out into form into the team that most people expected them to be. And especially since after you know, after Donovan Mitchell torched the Clippers in Game One and Two, Ty Lue decided to put Kawhi on on Donovan Mitchell, and in Game Three, he had 30 points, five rebounds, and four assists, but shot 11 of 24. In Game Four. Donovan Mitchell had 37, 5, and 5, but the Jazz still lost. And even though Kawhi was was guarding Donovan Mitchell, and they were trapping him almost after he passed half court, almost every single time, Donovan Mitchell just shows up and just shows you that he can get it done even if no one else can. And so that being said, you guys mentioned the Jazz winning in about, you know, about six, right? I have the Jazz winning in seven because there's no way that the Clippers would lose that easily, I guess. Pride is now a factor in this game, right? In this series. I just don't trust Paul George and this and, and this Clippers supporting cast from what we saw in the Nuggets series last year. Paul George has a history of crumbling under intense pressure, and we he he is under the most pressure he's ever been in a Clipper uniform. His, 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 the leader is gone. He's gone. Right, and I guess this would be the perfect time for Paul George to step up and be the de facto leader. If he can do that or not remains to be seen, but I'm going to be optimistic and say the Clippers take game six but lose games five and seven, just to be fair. Because we know, I know we talk a lot of garbage about the Clippers, but you never want to see this, and I just want to give some good vibes to the Clippers because they are feeling some type of way, obviously. Because if... If it's confirmed, confirmed, right? Super confirmed that Kawhi has like a torn ACL. He's out for his age 30 season. So we the next time we'll see him is probably going to be what? 22, 23? Right? And, perhaps. And I, perhaps. I, I, I hate to say this and, you know, knock on wood, all of that, but this Clipper curse is crazy, bro. It is oh, yeah. crazy. No it's doubt. real. It's really wild. Yeah, I mean, no, no, go ahead, go ahead. I mean, you got PG-13, that number 13, Friday the 13th. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't see playoff P uh, doing much. Like Daniel said, that intense pressure, he's going to crack. Unfortunately, diamonds don't come from PG-13 when that pressure is put <laughs> on them. Yeah, I mean, it could, right? We never know. But another thing that diamonds can't come from is COVID-19. And that's a weird segue, I know, but another explosive piece of news that I didn't expect was the fact that CP3 is out indefinitely after he got placed in the league's uh, safety protocols pertaining to COVID-19. 
it's weird because players can be can be placed in these health and safety protocols because of a positive test or got exposed to someone who was positive with COVID-19. We don't necessarily know which camp CP3 falls under because he has been vaccinated and there's very little news coming out about the situation. But as it stands right now, he could potentially miss this at least the start of the Western Conference Finals and maybe even the entire Western Conference Finals as a whole. And just thoughts on that because I know that must be devastating for for Chris Paul knowing that this is the his one shot right everyone seems to be falling apart the Suns seemingly are on a roll his shoulders getting better and then all of a sudden he could potentially miss the biggest series of his career because of something completely out of his control look before this news came out I had the Phoenix Suns advancing to to the NBA Finals it's just this especially the recent um sweeping of the Denver Nuggets it was a testament how Chris Paul you know it was a tribute to how just how great he was and how much step forward Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton has have taken their games Devin Booker has completely shown that he is one he's fought out one of the best scorers in today's game of basketball with that being said this is a young team and young teams tend to uh, you know Depend on what? Veteran leadership. Chris Paul is clearly the X factor here. And my it this, you know, what happens the next round to Phoenix will depend on hugely on how many games Chris Paul misses out. If Chris Paul misses the first three games of the Western Conference Finals, I hate to say it, Phoenix, like your season, your great pro season run is gonna come to an end. Uh, I think with because especially with you know Utah potentially advancing next round, Utah has much more depth than Phoenix does, and Donovan Mitchell is a superstar. So it's going to be the next round is going to be a potentially rough series. It's going to go it it could go up to seven games, but only if Chris Paul is there. If Chris mm-hmm. Paul is not there, this it, it's going to be a five or six you know ser- five game or six game series if Utah advances the next round. So this, I mean. Chris Paul is their leader and losing him is losing basically your whole leadership. So it, it, it we're, I, I mean, I, I'm sorry to the listeners. We're starting this podcast on a sour note, but that's just how life is sometimes. Yeah. And G really quickly, it's something that I can equate that to is Devin Booker is like Devin Booker and CP three. They're kind of like the legs, right? And now that CP three is gone, how are the Phoenix suns going to be able to stand especially considering like most of these guys are very, very, very young, right? Who on their roster can we name that's have been to the, to the playoffs like that? Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder went to the finals, Dario Saric, right? But that's about it. Everyone's still a young guy. And Chris Ball has been to the Western conference finals in 2018 when, yeah, 2018 loss of the Warriors. But yeah, I mean, they need that veteran leadership that he brings. So I want us to point out how big of an impact Chris Paul is. I know that it doesn't necessarily always have to be stats. And what a, a big example is Chris Paul was an All-NBA uh, selection for mm-hmm. averaging 17 points a game when we got Russell Westbrook averaging triple-double, uh, Devin Booker, you know, Donovan Mitchell. But we don't, won't get into that. Chris Paul – We will later. We'll still we, – Chris Paul will still have an impact on the squad. We've seen in the games uh, in uh, first round with the Lakers, where Chris Paul was not the same Chris Paul. Nine points here, shoulder was messed up, and we had players stepped up. I understand there's some concern to be had um, with him not playing, but they've been in a situation before. They're not going to have. They're not going to not have Chris Paul the entire next round. They have a week off. Am I am I mistaken that they have a week off? Right. So. Um, so if the Jazz series ends in six, they would play uh, the first game, I think, on Sunday. And then if it ends in seven, they'll play on Tuesday. Okay, so that's still a good amount of days. He tested positive this morning, or was it yesterday? So the news was announced this morning. He didn't um, – here's the thing. If he tested positive for COVID and he was unvaccinated, he would have to be out for two weeks at least. But because he's vaccinated, he has he has to produce two negative tests within a really, I think, like two or three day span. And then after that, he has to go through a battery of lung tests to make sure that his lungs and his heart can actually play because they don't want anyone dying. Right. Because nobody knows what the effects of COVID are on an athlete. So they want to make sure that his lungs and everything else is in working order 
and that can take however many days, at least two to four days. So we're looking at maximum seven days here, right? We're looking at five to seven days if all cards are in his favor. So knock fingers wood, crossed, fingers crossed yeah. prayers up. So that's five days from now. We're on Wednesday. So Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So at best, at best, he misses one game. So we're talking about three games. That's half the series. I doubt that happens. Uh, let's say our prayers for Chris Paul. Uh, this, the Suns have an edge, um, not only with Chris Paul, with Devin Booker. You've seen Devin Booker. I talked about Trey Young being the, 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 the villain, the bad guy in the series. Devin Booker is that guy. You see mm-hmm. how he's going up against the Lakers. He's talking that smack Kendall Jenner in the, in the stands. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to keeping up with Kardashians. Anyways, um, no Kardashian curse for him. Obviously, that hasn't been affecting him. But we've seen how Devin Booker has been attacking these other other squads, even in the second round. So I think that edge that the Phoenix Suns have, uh, Monty Williams has installed it in them. Chris Paul has installed it in them this whole series. you got Jay Crowder still out there. I think if they continue to play like how they've been playing, with or without Chris Paul, Devin Booker has been playing outstandingly good. We, we, we're overlooking how much of an impact DeAndre Ayton has been, not only yeah. just scoring, but also rebounding defense and just playing and excelling his role. And I think that's what makes this Phoenix Suns team a little different. Everyone knows and understands their role, and they're excelling in it. We've seen the Utah Jazz kind of fumble. The Phoenix Suns haven't really fumbled the bag too much. I know that they lost the two games against the Lakers, but let's look at those games. They still played their game. They still fought. Even if they were missing shots, Jay Crowder was still guarding LeBron to the best of his abilities. So there's something different about this Phoenix Suns squad. And I'm looking at the Utah Jazz and how they're playing. Of course, Donovan Mitchell, Spider Mitchell. Spider Mitchell is an amazing player. And, of course, the Utah Jazz have a better team on paper. But if I go out there or outwork you and I have somebody that can score 45, 50 points like Devin Booker and I still have a one-two punch to DeAndre Ayton, my money is on the Suns. With Chris Paul, there, of course, I'm, I'm going with the Suns. And I guess you, I just been made into a believer after they beat the Lakers. But even without Chris Paul for this first couple of games, my money's still on the Phoenix Suns. In the next round, mm, yeah. that's regardless difficult. of who they play. Yeah, because if they play the the Jazz really quickly, Daniel, if they play the Jazz, it's going to be an even series. If they play the Clippers, it's going to be a very lopsided series. Because the Jazz are still without Mike Conley, and we still don't have a timetable for that. And you see how stagnant that offense is. The Phoenix Suns—they're young, but that the that inexperience can be a good thing or a bad thing. And for this playoff series, it's been a good thing because. They don't have anything to lose. They have everything to gain here. Um, and they've been they've been sound defensively. And playoffs, defense means something. We see oh, yeah. what James Harden did to Giannis last night with a fadeaway shot. So I'm going with the Suns. You can you can mark that now. So Relly Rail said it here first on the Shooting Bricks podcast. Regardless right. of who's coming in at Western Conference, Phoenix Suns are making it to the finals. It- I mean, it, it can be noted that, you know, Chris Paul, even if he doesn't play, he can still lead the team off the bench. But there's a there's a clear and, and obvious difference between when you have your leader on the floor and opposed to when you're when he's off the floor. So I I have I have doubts if Phoenix can pull through. Um Chris Paul is the guiding hand to this team. He, like he he's like teaching your kids, you know, bicycle lessons, and Chris Paul is literally the training wheels. So yeah. without having Chris Paul on the floor, you're taking those training wheels off. And I just I just think Donovan Mitchell, if the Jazz advance to the next round, has more playoff experience than, than than a lot of guys on this Phoenix Suns team. So and plus he in my in my opinion, Donovan Mitchell is a better player than Devin Booker or DeAndre Ayton. And he he's shown this postseason that he's willing to take the limelight and the clutch shots. So I don't know. I have serious and, doubts if, if if the Jazz go into the series against a Chris Paulus Phoenix Suns team. I have doubts that Phoenix can really put up a, a strong enough fight. That's a lot of pressure to put on Donovan Mitchell, and I understand where you're coming from as far as overall. But I feel like Devin Booker has had a better postseason than Donovan Mitchell. Do you not see the numbers and efficiency that he's putting up? True. Now, all of the stuff that you've been saying as far as the impact that Chris Paul has. It feeds, it feeds into him being on the bench. Like, you're not saying he's out here scoring a heck of a lot of points. Even on a closeout game, he did score 37 points and he did his stuff. But Absolutely. for the most part, it's a lot of mental stuff that you're talking about. I'm sitting here and saying that the Phoenix Suns are dangerous because of their edge, because of their mentality. Chris Paul is only reinforcing that. I'm not putting it all on him because Devin Booker has had that mentality. Ever since the bubble, we have saw it. 
This Phoenix Suns is a different team. Although they didn't go to the postseason last year, that bubble experience has shifted this organization to unforeseen uh, sites now because they're on their heights now because now they are in a position to be in a Western Conference. They're in a Western Conference, and now they're in a position to almost make it to the finals. So that edge, which we've been seeing all playoff long, I haven't seen a squad with this edge that the Phoenix Suns have. They took out the, the, the reigning champions in the Los Angeles Lakers. The, the only thing that's, that's stopping them is you saying Chris Paul. And we got to also factor in Donovan Mitchell is in 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's been battling like that ankle injury since, what, the first round? Exactly. And their offense is hella stagnant, and the Phoenix Suns has better defense, even though they're inexperienced. So there's a lot of positives that I'm just seeing that the Phoenix Suns have. So I understand where you're coming from, Daniel, but still going with the Suns. Yeah. And just a, a few more points here on CP3 before we head over to the East. It's interesting because CB3 averaged 25 points on 62, 58, and 100% shooting in the four-game sweep. And he had a 41 to 5 assist to turnover ratio. That is just incredible. I don't think anyone's ever had something. Yeah, we should should, uh, not, like, detract anymore. And I know there are some people out there that would say that Chris Paul doesn't deserve to be a Hall of Famer. Shout out to whoever you are. You know who you are. But yes, we know who we're talking about. <laughs> shout out to him. Shout out to him. You know who you are. But he is a bona fide Hall of Famer at this point. Even if he doesn't win a ring, right? Even if he doesn't he do... Is. Yeah, exactly. Even if he doesn't win a ring or whatever happens, just the impact that he's had on every team that he's been on, you just can't see it on the box sheet, the box score, right? It goes deeper than that. Like, if you look at... If you look at the Thunder last year, they had like a what a four percent, less than a five percent chance of making it to the playoffs, and they made it to the playoffs and almost beat the Rockets. I mean, if that doesn't tell you anything about CP3 and greatness, I don't know what will. But speaking of greatness, guys, I'm pretty sure we all saw that incredible shooting game, that incredible game. Let's just put it like that. That KD had, right? It was it was a weird game five because it looked like. It looked like the Bucks were about to destroy the friggin' Brooklyn Nets, but then, out of nowhere, AD comes back. And he puts up 49 points, 17 rebounds, 10 assists, 3 steals, 2 blocks, shooting 69.6%, nice, playing all 48 minutes. Can you believe that? This dude just came off an Achilles tear not too long ago, and he's the first player in NBA history to have at least 45 points, 15 rebounds, and 10 assists in the playoffs. That's not all. He had a hand in 65% of all the Nets points. He scored or assisted on 74 of the Nets 114 points. So much so that it got to the point where there was no point in running an offensive set. Just give it to KD, get the hell out of the way, and just watch him go to work. And just watching this on the other side, Giannis said postgame that KD is, quote, the best player in the world right now. Speaking of Giannis, he did his thing as well. He got 34, 12 rebounds, four assists. And he, quote, wants to take on the challenge of guarding KD, which there's a lot to get into here. But it speaks to the point of why the hell hasn't he been guarding KD since game one? And I don't know where you guys want to start, but let's, okay, let's start with, let's start with KD's incredible game because. James Harden came back. He played 46 minutes, but only had five points, eight assists, six rebounds, shooting one of 10 and 0 of eight from three. And we know that Kyrie's out because he twisted his ankle very, very badly, and we don't know what's going to happen to him. So the Nets are anticipating Kyrie's going to be gone for the rest of the series. But yeah, KD just putting up a performance for the ages. Thoughts? Kevin Durant literally saved the Brooklyn Nets season last night because coming into the game, it was all in Milwaukee's favor. Uh, Kevin Durant showcased last night why he is one of the best offensive uh, talents to come in 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 NBA history in general. Uh, but you know, not to take off the shining like you know the greatness of Kevin Durant uh, in his you know recent performance, but this loss was completely on Coach B, Coach Budenholzer. This was mo- this was this loss is completely on him. Look, think about watching this game. Milwaukee had control of the game um, up until this, you know, the third, up until the third quarter, and Brooklyn went on a on a fifteen and five run. 
Coach Budenholzer has proven in this moment is the sticking point that he is not a good postseason coach. He's a good coach, but not a great coach. He's a he's he's on Mike Down Tony's level. Great in the regular season, trash in the postseason. Has no he is not he's definitely not one of the greats. One of the, you know, the think about the great coaches in history. Once they saw the Brooklyn, you know, once they saw the Nets 15 to 5 run, they would have adjusted immediately. Coach B has shown throughout that he is unwilling to make any adjustments why hasn't Giannis guarded KD since game one Giannis should have been on KD's ass since the very beginning the fact that he cannot make any adjustments whatsoever you know you know screams to me that he is not a championship caliber coach and that he should be fired once this season is done because Brooklyn in my opinion probably won the chip last night so uh, this loss is completely on coach B on and on the Bucks in general um, they they literally choked I mean, with James Harden, he, we all know that he scored five points, but he's coming off an injury. Do not expect a five-point James Harden in game six. James Harden's going to be back to his normal self. The Brooklyn Nets are going to advance to the Eastern Conference Finals tomorrow night in Milwaukee. Guarantee. So, really quickly, two points. Um, I, was, I was on StatMuse on Twitter, and in this series, Giannis has not defended KD at all. Like, not once. He's not there. I don't know why that's a thing. And also shout out to DJ Layton. We had him on the podcast a few months ago for, you know, for being right that KD is the best in the world. But go ahead, G. Best in the world right now because he is playing in the playoffs. Uh, You know, I had to put that two cents in there, but I know why. I know why Giannis is not guarding KD because KD makes Giannis look like the Greek geek. He's gonna make him look foolish. <laughs> we've seen this. We've seen the highlights of of Kevin Durant hitting him with a little head fake, having Giannis jumping all over the place. This is what I'm thinking. Mike uh, Mike Budenholzer is thinking. I'm not trying to get Giannis into foul trouble because this is my offense. I agree with you, Daniel. A lot of the blame has to be on Mike Budenholzer, but a lot of the blame has to be on Giannis Antetokounmpo as well. I there's four key moments in the fourth quarter. Not even I'm not even talking about the run by the Nets. KD is a phenomenal player. He, I'm not going to say offensive player. He is a phenomenal player. He's one of the greatest NBA players of all time. Just offense all around. He just played 48 minutes as a 32. How old is he? 32, 32. 33 years old. 32. Come on now. All around, he is an amazing player. We, we try to knock his defense because he's such a great offensive player. He had, what, three steals and two blocks. His stats mm-hmm. stats don't mean everything, but in this case, it does mean everything. But four key moments in the fourth quarter, and I mentioned this on Twitter as well, so y'all need to be active on the Twitter. We tired of uh, tweeting out stuff, and y'all not out there saying stuff, and y'all listening to the podcast. Engage with us. Let's have these conversations, have these discussions. Anyways, back to my point. Four key moments where Giannis shot that fadeaway jumper against James Harden. What are mm-hmm. you doing? Go get your ass in the gym. Go go train with Hakeem Olajuwon, Shaquille O'Neal, freaking Tim Duncan. Go do something. Stop dancing in Cabo with your trash-ass brothers, Donis and freaking Alex Antetokounmpo, because how is that going to get you better as a player? I'm tired of this, Giannis, bro. I am a Greek freak fan, but you shooting a fadeaway jumper like you're Dirk Nowitzki is not your game. You have a... 6'5", 220-pound James Harden on you who can play position defense. He could sit there and take the bumps on his his beer belly. That's 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 uh thing number one. Thing number two, for lack of better uh, terms right now, was he went one for two at the free throw line. You're taking all your time, bro. I don't care that you're getting made fun of on Twitter. You better take your 10 seconds, bro, while you're rushing your free throws. He did that twice. Then Chris Middleton, Chris Middleton actually set you up for an easy bucket. Oh and now all of a sudden you yes. turn it to Kwame Brown. Kwame Brown and you fumble the ball. Get Kwame Brown on this podcast too. We're going to tag you on this because we want you on here too. Talk to your bro. Anyways, I blame I blame Giannis. I blame, I blame Mike Budenholzer because, uh, like Daniel said, the run happened. This is NBA. This is the Brooklyn Nets. They have a high-power offense. You have one of the best players ever on the opposing side, and you cannot make adjustments. You have Giannis Antetokounmpo uh, uh, running your offense, initiating your offense. He is not LeBron James. He is a Shaq build. Why is he running the offense? Tell me this, and Jared and I had this discussion on Twitter as well. How many times did Drew Holiday touch the ball in the fourth quarter? Why did you send – 35 picks, 12 players for a player that's not even going to touch the ball in the fourth quarter. I'm not saying run a play for him to score, but touch the damn ball. 
the Bucks. I'm not even a Bucks fan, bro. But I am. I I sit there and watch that whole game, and I was pissed the f off. Just like Daniel said, Nets are going to the finals, and, and it's uh, uh, conference finals at least. Because I feel like if the 76ers are healthy, they have a chance. Because nobody's stopping Joel Embiid. But they're going to the conference finals. The Bucks. I caught it. I said they were going to get swept. They proved me wrong here. But you now you know why I said they were going to get swept. Because like this, they got lucky that first game where they won 87 to 86. They should have lost. Yeah. And shout out also to Dylan, who is a Bucks fan. He was having a whole, he was going through everything last night. I mean, I was talking to him on Twitter. He was just going through a whole lot of things because he's a Bucks fan and just watching them melt down like that. Man, he was feeling some type of way. Hope you feel better, buddy. But yeah, the Bucks, like you, like you mentioned, G, we were talking about this. There were so many times when Giannis had you know, James Harden or Jeff Green just on his left shoulder. They were leaning into him, and he would just kept backing down on that same side. He didn't spin because if he did, it was an open layup, but he doesn't have that in his game. And that's what makes me kind of irritated because he has all the skill in the world. If he just knew to spin around, he would have gotten four or five easy points, maybe more, right? Easy buckets. And the the whole Drew Holiday situation, like, he is... I don't know. He, I don't even know, honestly, because he's been in and out of, of the games. Like I think he had 19 last night, which is fine, I guess. But I don't know with Coach Bud. I mean, if if and when he does get fired, who it would? Re- yeah, yep. if and when, who would replace him? Because I'm I'm just throwing this out to you guys, completely random. I know, but. I don't I'm trying to see what coach can develop something that quickly. Maybe Terry Stotts. Here's my Maybe, thoughts right? on the coaching situation in Milwaukee that, you know, the potential, well, the inevitable coaching vacancy that's about to happen. They're going to need someone that's very experienced, very established. I know it's kind of vague, but that's what they need. They can't they can't rely on on a young up-and-coming coach. They no, they need someone with with a lot of experience before, who's pro- who co- who may have coached a lot of teams. I mean, obviously, it's not going to happen, but they're going to need. I mean, the most ideal is Milwaukee Lance, a John Calipari type of coach, who's who's who has deep experience with this game. That's right. the only way the Bucks are going to pull off a championship. And second, they they need a guard. They need to go after aggressively, aggressively trade for either a Bradley Beal or if you know. If Portland is open to it, which you know we all have our doubts, it's all of a mixed feeling. Damian Lillard. So Milwaukee's has has got to be aggressive going forward if they are to win a championship with this window. Yeah. G. Um, I I, I honestly don't know. Uh, you can go with an experienced coach. You can go with an unexperienced coach and still have an impact. We've seen. Um, Coaches from the collegiate level make the jump, Brad Stevens, and make an impact instantly. So um, there's players that are former players that are coaches, and I feel like can still make an impact on a team. So it's it's all about fit. It's all about fit. I don't care what your resume is looking like. If the coach can fit and develop something for the squad, and it is what it is. As far as them being able to um, aggressively go after a superstar caliber player, well, good luck with that. You don't have any assets. Um, why are you going to trade thirty-year-old players for another thirty-year-old player? And you think that's going to do something? Like I, I don't, I don't see them getting Bradley Bill. I don't see them getting Damian Lillard. I don't see them getting. I mean, who are? I don't, I don't see them getting anybody. They should have kept Malcolm Brogdon from the beginning, and this would have been a different story. Absolutely, and you know, with with all that being said, we're talking about the Bucks Net series. Just last question before we uh, we move on to the last topic here. If Let's say Steve Nash wins this series and wins the conference finals and then wins the finals. Is he this season's Ty Lue? Uh, that's a like, hard question. Do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, in a way, yes, but uh, I would yes. have to I, I I'm going to lean yes because like in both cases they got incredibly lucky. Like Ty Lue, let's be honest, when he got hired and David Black got tossed, like Ty Lue hit the lotto. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Steve Nash, Steve Nash did had the exact situation hit him. Like Brooklyn got caught in a blockbuster trade, and he and he benefited from it. So, 
yeah, I can definitely see that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I, I agree. Yes, absolutely. It's a lucky situation. Um, and I, I'm, I'm going to be a little pessimistic here. I, I, don't, I don't want the Nets to win, but I don't want them to win because how they constructed their squad and it's the first season of them all being together. But, yeah, it's a Ty Lue situation. I agree. Well, we'll see what happens because, like you mentioned, the 76ers – they're unstoppable if Joel Embiid is playing because no one can stop Joel Embiid except for his own body. Um, the series is tied 2-2. It was an ugly shooting. What, game four was it? I mean, the Hawks barely won. Joel Embiid had that. He missed the layup, and then Ben Simmons had the turnover, which is really something you would not expect from the two best players. But it, they've, like I said, Joel Embiid's been unstoppable this series. There's no one really that can stop him except for his own body. And, you know, shout out to Trey Young for doing what he can to help lead the Hawks because he was the youngest player in NBA history to tally up 18 assists in a playoff game. And so thoughts on this series? It's, it's, series? A, it, it's a series. It's not fun. It's, it's, it is what it is for me personally. But I mean, obviously, it's more fun than what, you know, what Philly had in the first round, but... Uh, I mean, I digress. This series, like I said before last week, this series hinges completely on Joel Embiid's body. If he's not healthy, this Philadelphia team crumbles beside him because Ben Simmons can't shoot a three for his life. Uh, Trey, I think this Trey Young continues to prove that he the best offensive talents in the in his game. I just don't think he has the help sufficient enough around him, or his help has the sufficient experience to carry this Hawks team to the sec to the next round. I just don't think Atlanta is there yet in terms of experience. So this is Philly series to lose. Um, I just think Joel Embiid has to check on his body each, each night, each morning to see whether it's okay, because this whole team is literally on his shoulders. So I still think the Sixers are going to win the series in six alone. I just think this Philly team, this Philly's supporting cast is still much better than Atlanta's. So it's Philly's in my it, Philly has my pick to go to the to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, that makes sense. So just to piggyback, uh, Trey Young is the youngest player in NBA history to tally up 18 assists, and I think he's the second player in NBA history in a postseason to have 25 points and 18 assists. Shout out to Tim Hardaway Senior, um, and you should like that too because he played for the Warriors, right, uh, Absolutely. Jerry? But uh, yeah, I think the issue here is Joel Embiid has the Anthony Davis syndrome when it comes to yep. he can't stay off the floor. And I watched last game like, bro, you six, you seven foot 280. If you don't get your big ass off the floor. Why you keep dropping to the floor? You're not Dwayne Wade. Why you keep crashing on the floor? That's how he's going to get injured. So um, I think they need to stop playing with their food. Uh, of course, the Hawks are inexperienced. Um and they just need to end this get end the series. End the series off so y'all can get y'all rest and prepare for that battle of the Brooklyn Nets, because that's <laughs> gonna be a lot. But yeah, I have the 76ers uh winning this and I'm not gonna go with six games. I'm gonna say because they keep playing around, I'm gonna say seven games. I'm gonna say Trey Young, John Collins, and Clint Capella uh somehow get another win. Yeah, and plus we don't know what'll happen with Embiid because he could be fine, and then the next, you know, in the second quarter, he could tweak an ankle and then be out for the next game and a half. So, right. you never know. I'll I'll say, I'll say Sixers and seven, just to play it safe, because I don't trust the Hawks to win. Even though I appreciate what they've done, I don't think they have the wherewithal to do it just yet. Because I mean, they've overachieved so far, and I don't think they can continue to overachieve. But I mean, that's not a knock on them. That just shows that Philly is that much better of a team. Right. But that being said, just some quick hitters here before we wrap things up. So we haven't talked about the Mavs in a while, and there's just been a whole bunch of stuff that's happened with the Mavs since getting eliminated by the Clippers. Um, I don't know if you guys saw, but a few weeks ago after the Mavs got eliminated, Mark Cuban said that he won't fire Rick Carlisle. And, you know, that's that's interesting because – no one really would think about firing Rick Carlisle. And then the next piece of news that came out was that Kristaps Porzingis felt like an afterthought as opposed to being a co-star, according to ESPN. And when you watch the Mavs offense in that series against the Clippers, it kind of explains why. Because more often than not, 
the Mavericks played the James Harden-style Rockets offense. Just give the ball to Luka, stand around, watch, see what happens. If he kicks it out to you with two seconds left, pick a shot, drive it in, get a foul, whatever. And that's not conducive to a championship, to a championship because we've seen it with the Harden Rockets. It didn't work. And so that's kind of an interesting thing. Um, he did say, KP did say that he, his game needs to evolve. And whatever that means, I don't know, because he's regressing as a defensive player. He's, he's regressing as an offensive player. And so I don't know what, how his game would evolve. Plus, that's, that contract, nobody wants it. Like He has, I think, what, $100 million left for three years? Something like that? For, for a new age Andre Bargnani? Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> that's that's a good comparison for sure. Yeah. I mean, at least with him, he tried. But it is what it is. And even though Lucas said that right after the Mavericks were eliminated, he would sign the Supermax extension, he has been dissatisfied with some members of the Mavericks front office to the point that GM Donnie Nelson has, quote, decided to part ways with the Mavs, according to Shams. And so just really quick thoughts on the weird dissension going on in in Dallas because people say that they can, you know, Luca will stay, but then after that contract ends, he's going to dip because there was this, apparently this gambler that Luca doesn't like that was hired by Mark Cuban and they've just been butting heads ever since. So there's a lot of layers to this story. Um, but yeah, quick thoughts on the Mavericks drama? Long-term, I'm going to have to say this. Uh, there's a chance. I'm not saying it's a short-term. I'm saying it's long-term for a reason. So we're talking, like, when I say long-term, we're talking, like, five, seven years. There's a chance that Luka Doncic in the, in the far future could actually leave Dallas because look at, da- look at the Mavericks' history. They had Dirk Nowinski. What did he struggle throughout his tenure there as a Dallas Mav? They failed to get him a second star. It's Dallas is not... It's it's not the smallest market, but it's not the biggest market either. And when you're when you're when you have market limitations in the NBA, it, the more limitations you have, the harder it is to get stars. And I think Dallas is going to have the same problem with Luca as the years go on. They're going to struggle to get him a co-star. And, and and as far as thinking of co-star, don't be don't be surprised if Dallas never really gets a co-star along with Luka Doncic that actually works. They tried that with Kristaps Porzingis, but unfortunately he has become an example of how of like how injuries can ruin someone's career. Kristaps Porzingis is no longer the all-star we thought he was coming into this league. So I think there's a lot of drama going on in Dallas. I think KP, for the most part, at least on the surface level, he's definitely gone. Short-term-wise, he's going to be gone pretty soon, whether that happens this offseason or the beginning of next year. I'm predicting he's going to be off soon. Um, I think Rick Carlisle is on a limited, you know, leash. He's had so many chances so far, so the pressure is only going to get is only going to mount. But you know, Luca's here for the long term. But there could be a point in time where Luca gets dissatisfied enough that he leaves via free agency. So crazy times ahead for the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, I could see that. Um, KP feels like an afterthought because how are you seven two, seven three, and you're still listed as a power forward? That's the yeah. issue right there, bro. You gotta, you gotta toughen up, bro. You gotta be, you gotta be a five. Um, but yeah, I, I think the the Dallas Mavericks have done a solid job with surrounding Dirk Nowitzki with um stars. We we they may have been later in their careers, but they've been stars in their own roles. We've we've seen. Uh, Jawan Howard, we've seen uh, Michael Finley, we've seen Steve Nash, we've seen Jason Kidd, um, and I'm going to talk about Jason Kidd. When they actually won the finals with Jason Kidd on their squad, as well as Tyson Chandler, that formula is what the Dallas Mavericks need to work on. Co-star, you don't need it. You need players that excel in their roles so much that we don't consider them role players. Tyson Chandler was Defensive Player of the Year. He's technically a role player, right? But he was defensive player of the year when they won that that that, that uh, the championship, right? We had Jason Kidd on the the twilight of his career, right? But he was still putting up triple doubles some every every once in a while. We had yeah. the Jets, we had Jason Terry. He was efficient. He was hitting threes. We had 
so many players that Peja Stojakovic, Peja Stojakovic, that and Sean Marion as well, yeah. that excelled in their roles. That's what the Dallas Mavericks need to find. They need to formulate a team around Luka Doncic that allows Luka Doncic to be Luka Doncic, but also has reliable players. So that five, I, if if the Dallas Mavericks had a, a prime Dwight Howard, oh my Lord Jesus, have mercy! This would be crazy because those pick and rolls, those put back dunks, that that that's the type of the build or a Tyson Chandler type of build that they need at five. Not a freaking six eight Dwight Powell. He's cool for coming off the bench. Um, they had solid key contributors. Uh, I feel like Seth Curry was a great addition for oh, this yeah. team, and they they got rid of him for. Uh, uh, Josh, Josh Richardson, Richardson. I, I guess they were looking at 2K like he was a 3 and D guy. <laughs> uh, but Seth Curry actually worked. And for, for a moment, I think Trey Burke even worked for coming off the bench, just mm-hmm. that spark. So they've had players that were efficient, that showed up. Tim Hardaway is one of those players. They need to hold on to him because he should he could be the ultimate sixth man for the squad or he right. could be alongside Luka Doncic. But I think if the, if the Mavericks – if the Mavericks are able to – get that formula that they had, that, that winning formula that they had in 2011 and reciprocate that here, I think they'll be fine with keeping Luka. He, I don't think he's going to leave. He, he's going to be loyal. He, he, you know, he's, I think he's going to be loyal. He's not leaving the Mavericks. Everybody's loyal now nowadays unless they're a snake. Shout wow, okay. <laughs> wow, okay. We went, we went almost the entirety of the podcast and all of a sudden, except KD, he's a snake. But... I mean, we'll see what happens with with the Mavericks. I wasn't, I definitely wasn't expecting this news to pop up this morning that the Mavericks were going through their bit of a of an issue. But that being said, a little bit more of an issue. The fires fought. The, excuse me. The Pelicans fire Stan Van Gundy after going thirty one and forty one in his first season. Teresa Weatherspoon and Fred Vincent are likely replacements, along with Ime Yudoka, Jack Vaughn, Charles Lee, and Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd's getting thrown out there a lot. They really want him. They really want him to spill his drink on the court to get an extra timeout. But anyways, yeah, Scott Brooks is also out in um, in Washington after the team couldn't ag- agree to a new deal per Woj. And yeah, lastly, we'll end things off here. The all defensive and all NBA teams were announced. Just a few, uh, just a few names here for the all. All defensive teams. For the first team, we have Rudy Gobert, Ben Simmons, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, and Giannis Antetokounmpo. For the second team, we have Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Joel Embiid, Matisse Tybel, and Kawhi Leonard. Any thoughts on those teams? The all defensive teams? Anyone got snubbed in your opinion? Really quick thoughts? That's a solid, in my opinion, that was a solid lineup. So I don't really have any snubs in regards to that. All right. Okay. Um, neither do I. I. I I don't pay too much attention if I'm being honest with you because the teams. But uh, yeah. All right. Well, hopefully you pay more attention to this. The All NBA teams, because in the first team we've got Nikola Jokic, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Stephen Curry, Luka Doncic, and Kawhi Leonard. The second team we've got CP3, Damian Lillard, Joel Embiid, Julius Randle, and LeBron James. In the third team we've got Kyrie Irving, Bradley Beal, Rudy Gobert, Jimmy Butler, and Paul George. Now. I feel like Devin Booker should have been on there. That's on any of the teams, probably, probably replacing Jimmy Butler because he missed almost a good portion of the season. He was injured, right? So, <laughs> so he shouldn't be on there. But what do you guys think? Devin Booker definitely needs more respect. I think. I mean, obviously, Chris Paul was the big, was literally the face of the Suns franchise this season, but. Devin Booker was a, was an instrumental part of that as well. I mean, Devin Booker has been this fran has been this Phoenix franchise since he got dra- drafted. So I I think Devin Booker needs some respect here. Oh yeah, absolutely, no doubt, no doubt. What about you, G? What say you? I, I, I guess when you said the Suns, it kind of burns your throat there a little bit, but uh, <laughs> no worries. Uh, yeah, I agree with you guys with Devin Booker. I some, somewhat want to say Donovan Mitchell should be on this list. And I absolutely believe that Russell Westbrook should be on this list. He averaged a triple-double. He was able to get the Wizards to the eighth seed or eight, to the playoffs. So I feel like Russell Westbrook is still getting his hate. But a triple-double is a triple-double, man. Come on now. You know what? Looking at the list now, I think he could have taken Kyrie's spot. I absolutely Yeah, agree. because – Ky- Kyrie went on his little sabbatical at the beginning of the year. Yeah. 
I feel like it's either Kyrie or Jimmy Butler that could have been taken out for Devin Booker or Russell Westbrook and or Russell Westbrook. Because, I mean, what? how is Jimmy Butler different from Russell Westbrook and or Devin Booker? Same thing with Kyrie. <laughs> like, how you could literally take those two players out and put those other two players in and nothing would happen. Like, who, who came up with this list? We want to talk. That's a bad list. Well, the first Every two year, teams man. are fine. The first two teams are fine. Maybe Julius Randle's kind of iffy, but and maybe CP3 too. But Kyrie and Jimmy Butler, whoever decided to put them on there, we got to talk. But yeah, any last uh, any last things before we wrap and, things up? And even Sabonis, bro. Like Sabonis could have potentially made this this list as well. I don't. Well, I, I I give it to him. He averaged what twenty ten and what six. Yeah. I think also they reward winning. That's why he's not on here. I mean, Bradley Beal, sure. Yeah, they were still, they were still in the same situation, if not a little higher than the Wizards. Yeah, they so they were in the play-in tournament and they got demolished. I think. No, no, wait. The Pacers demolished the Hornets, Hornets and then they lost to the Wizards. So there you go. Yeah. Any last thoughts before wrapping up on this garbage-ass list? Every year, these lists cause, you know, arguments. Just oh. saying. That's true. But Yeah, and Jason Tatum, too. Right? Uh, oh. I look at it. Jason Tatum. <laughs> See that? <laughs> Jason Tatum should be on this list. Uh, I think what's happening is there's more talent in the league, and that's why I want to keep pushing for the all-star game to have 15 selections for each conference rather than 12. But uh, right. I don't know if we're going to have a, a all-NBA 14. That's that's getting <laughs> kind of wild there, but it's a lot of talent in the league. Yeah, absolutely. And also, shout-out to Jason Tatum, Damian Lillard, and Draymond Green for committing to Team USA. Gee, you and I were having this conversation on who would be on the team. Well, at least we know those three would be. So that's that's And those are three solid pieces for sure. Yeah, I mean, if Dame... Like in international ball, if Dame drops fifty five on like another country, not just an entire team, but an entire country, just imagine what would happen to his stock. <laughs> My God, man! But that being said, make sure that you don't forget to subscribe to the Shooting Bricks podcast and leave a review on your platform of choice. It really helps us out. Lastly, make sure to follow us on at Podcast Bricks on Twitter, at Shooting Bricks Podcast on Instagram, and at The Shooting Bricks Podcast on YouTube for all the news and the video of this episode of The Shooting Bricks Podcast. And as always, I'm Jerry Castillo. I'm Daniel Wang, and uh, hate to go off topic of basketball again to Andrew S. of The Bachelorette. I just want to say I'm rooting for you. And joining me as well, it's your boy, Relly Rail, Jarrell Sells. Y'all keep tuning in every week and being amazing fans. And we'll see you on the social media. So follow us. Absolutely. Follow us on social follow us on social media. And with everything else, you can follow us on all of that stuff. But now we'll see you guys next week. <laughs>